Welcome to another message from C3 Mumbai. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. The the picture I want you to think of right now and put in your mind is Mario, but also in Mario um or in, in, in what I want you to what you picture in your head is is you know a, a mouse chasing a carrot in one of those spinny spinny wheels. You know he's in a in a wheel. There's a carrot in front of him. He's trying to get to the carrot and he can't because he's in that spinny wheel. And every time he's in that spinny wheel, you put the carrot. He starts running. This is what happens to us sometimes with the things of this world that aren't of God or aren't aren't God, but we chase them thinking or treating them like they are God to, um, to, to deal with that need for approval out in the marketplace. Who knows what that's like? Who knows that we need to talk about that? That's an important fact. So, so these guys are, are not preaching from some sort of, uh, you know, we, don't, we haven't experienced this kind of thing. They, they're in the midst of it. They're still out there in the marketplace, so it's going to be a great sermon time next week. I'm looking forward to that, and I'm looking forward to Rachel's topic, which is, I can't remember, what is it, we, Rachel's talking on comfort, the, the, so these are the different carrots that we can chase, they're not bad things, we, we spoke on um, the, the week one about fame, how in, in all of us we have these micro, micro desires for fame, nothing wrong with being famous, if you're good at what you're doing, you're probably, they can't go any further now, it's okay, just, just put them over there, otherwise I'll kick them again, I can guarantee it. Um, what was the thing? Nothing wrong with being famous. If you're good at what you can do, or you're good at what you're doing, in some way, shape and form, in your industry, you'll probably get famous. That's how it works, right? But the problem with fame is it gets our eyes off God and puts our eyes on ourselves. That's the problem, and that's the carrot. And in all of us, we all want attention, right? We all want someone to look at us, right? And these things, when we start chasing through social media and um, through different things, when, when, when it's like more about... And here's the carrot, right? When it's more about likes, right, than than it is about actually engaging with other people on social media, then we know there's this micro desire for attention, this micro... And I'm guilty, okay? I will admit that I have used my children for likes. I will admit it. (laughs) Because they're really good looking, okay? Just like their mummy. And and it's like, I, I put Willow up online, I'm telling you something, she trends. She trends, man. I put myself up, just like I get one or two likes. Oh, Ryan, you put a picture of yourself. Put a picture of my daughter. Oh, my gosh. It's like, wow, she's famous, okay? (laughs) You know, but I have to watch that. We have to watch that. And the next one is perfectionism. We talked about that, how this need to be perfect in in different areas. Who got something out of that sermon last week? Uh, about I, man, I, as I was preaching it, I was like, man, this is amazing. This is incredible. Okay, uh, money and stuff is today. We're talking about money. Now, don't worry, guys. I just want to let you off the hook. I'm not going to take an offering up at the end of this message. All right. <laughs> Sometimes what happens in churches is um, is um, money is only talked about in regards to the offering, and I think uh, I understand why. Um, just turn the sub down. Um, I understand why, but 
money isn't just about the offering, right? I mean, that's just one part of who we are and what we do as, a, as, as believers. Money is just one part of it. I mean, sorry, the offering is one part of it. But who knows that money can be something that is a good thing, but somehow gets turned into a bad thing that drives us. Who knows what I'm talking about? How we can actually begin to center our lives around money. And one of the people that talked about this, who was way more um, eloquent, and uh, his explanation was way better than anything I could do. Because, see, this is another thing I've noticed sometimes in church life, is what filters on through the pastor's message is the pastor's opinion about money, you know, and it's, it's, it's a bit difficult sometimes because as a pastor, as a preacher all the time, you do tend to leak, but I don't want to have a bias, I don't want to give you any sort of biased information about my views on money, I want to preach the Word, okay, so sometimes what can happen in churches is a danger we have to watch out as, as saints, as we're in together as this church, is we have to, be, we have to be, be watching that the Word of God has been preached, not someone's opinion, who knows that a poverty mindset, that, that one has to be poor to be a believer, is not true. Who knows that? That's an opinion. That's a bias. That's not, that's not what the Bible says. But what the Bible does talk about, a lot of, is money. So I'm not going to give you a sermon today that's like, you know, you're all too rich and you need to give to, the, to, the, to God because you've got too much money to yourself. That's not what we're preaching here. That's not what the Bible talks about. The Bible does talk about generosity though. And we do need to talk about money because if we don't, and, and if we don't bring it back to God, and if we don't bring it back to what the Word of God says, we could actually end up chasing something that is not God. And when we're off on what God is, man, I'm telling you something, we're headed to somewhere where God isn't. We don't want this to be a carrot. Money is a great thing. Who knows that money in the hands of a good person becomes good? Money in the hands of a righteous person becomes righteous. You know that? Money in the hands of a bad person becomes bad. It's amoral. Money itself is, I mean, money is, just takes on the nature of the person's hand that it's in. So we need to make sure that, that the money that we've got in our hands is righteous. And this is how one of the areas that we need to talk about. Okay, let me just preach from the Bible. I'm just trying to give this a bit of background. I'm going to preach from 1 Timothy chapter 6. Okay, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Um, I'm going to turn to it. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Oh, I forgot to put my marker in. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Nice. Sorry, guys, just excuse me while I find myself in the Bible. I had a very busy morning this morning with, um, with making sure that the lights were working and the singers were singing. And Here we are, 1 Timothy chapter 6. It's okay, guys, if you ever had that feeling where you can't find the book in the Bible, pastor gets it too. You all right? Okay. <laughs> all right, 1 Tim Timothy chapter 6, verse 2. Maybe it's 2 Timothy, sorry. What do we got here? Oh, no, I've given the wrong... Okay, one sec. One sec, one sec, one sec. 
chapter 6, verse 2. Oh, yeah, okay. Okay, it's verse 2, but the sec- it starts from the second half of verse 2 in chapter 6. All right. These are the things you are to teach and insist on. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, they are conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions and constant friction between people of corrupt mind. I'll give you a context to this. Who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain, okay? I just want you to... Who think that godliness is a means to financial gain, all right? So there were some people... Let me give you a background on this right now. Paul, the apostle, who was a church planner who traveled all over the known world at that time, planting churches absolutely everywhere, and then he would put leaders in, and he would move away, and then he would go and plant another church, and you'd put leaders in, he'd move away, and he just went all over the world doing this. One of the people that, that he sent to this place called Ephesus, okay, which is in Greece, was Timothy. He's writing to Timothy about how to lead the church, okay? He's, t- he's, he's writing to Timothy about what's going on, and what had happened is there was some... There was some um, there were some people that came in who were probably not so bad in terms of being bad people, but what they were teaching was wrong. And what Paul says about these people is like, no, these people believe that being godly is a means to becoming financially wealthy. Now, you have to understand these were Jewish people, and you have to understand this about Judaism, and back then, okay, no, no, I, I, don't have, I have friends who are Jewish and all of that sort of stuff, I have no problem with Jewish people, but back then... Basically, the way people thought was that if you were wealthy, that meant that you were blessed by God. That's what they thought. So, in other words, the wealthier you were, it was more—it was a sign that somehow that God's favor was upon you. So there was these people that would that thought if they were to be godly, okay, if they thought that if they were godly, that by by some way of being godly, that they would become wealthy, right? Paul's saying, no, 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 that's not right. That's not correct. That's not how it works. Okay? So these people were preaching. And they were preaching, arguing about different things, and they were causing all sorts of trouble. Okay? So then Paul is beginning to teach Timothy, no, no, these things that they're teaching is not what you're to be teaching. Okay? And then he says this in verse 6 to Timothy. He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, it's interesting, Paul was a businessman, okay? I don't know if you understand this already, but he was a businessman. He was a leather, he was a leather um, tent maker, which meant, okay, and he worked for the military. Who knows that military contracts, anybody want a military contract here? You like trying to get one, okay? Why would you be going for a military contract? Because they are... Uh, Lucrative is the word. Lucrative. Thank you, Harry. Lucrative. That's where the money is. So, so Paul was not a poor man by any means. Paul was not a person who didn't know anything about business. Let me tell you something. He knew a lot about business because he would come into towns. He would run his business as a tent maker for the military. So setting up thousands of tents, okay, for the military, as well as planting churches. He was a dual... He was dual um, 
career. He was doing this at the same time. So, so, so Paul is talking in, in business terms. He's saying, coming to God, the gain isn't wealth. That's not the, that's not the gain. Okay, and it's important to understand this. But he's saying what the gain is when you come to God is contentment. Now, let's just, let's just pick this apart a little bit. This word contentment, okay, what this... Well, let's start with godliness. This word godliness that, that Paul says, because this is why we've got to study our Bibles. You've got to learn to study your Bibles. And I think we should do some sort of class on this at some point, maybe next year, on how to study your Bible. This word godliness, you've got to understand that when there's just a word in the Bible, sometimes that word has, it's like, has got other words that are actually attached to it they haven't quite come through into the translation. Because you think, when you see this word godliness, you think, oh, well, I've got to be godly, right? When you read, okay, well, okay, I've just got to be godly, okay, and then I'm going to be content. Yeah, yeah, but this word also means a correct understanding about God. A correct understanding about God. Now, what is a correct understanding about God? Would it be the Bible? Would it be the Gospel? Would it be the understanding about the Gospel that the fact that we cannot earn favor with God, period, it's done, we cannot, there's no way. Yet so many of us are trying to earn favor with God, we're trying to do all of the right things so we can get ourselves into a place where, where God looks at us and says, oh yes, oh there's a good boy, I'm going to bless him, oh I'll just give him some money, there we are, there's some money, oh wow, that's, oh, wow look what it is, that's not how it works. Now, the rest of Scripture talks about the correct view of God, but a lot of the time we just say, oh, well, I'm going to be godly and I'm going to be content. No, no, no. Just being godly is not going to lead to contentment, but an understanding of who God is, His nature, what the gospel is about, what is, what he's, what is actually taught in the Bible, that leads to a place where you feel secure. A lot of believers, a lot of believers are not secure because they're not correctly understanding this thing about God. A lot of the time when, when bad things happen, this is the test, right? And, and I know how this works. When bad things happen, my question goes, what have I done to make God angry? What have I done to make God angry? Listen, as soon as your mind goes to that place, you've misunderstood the gospel. Let me tell you something, there is nothing you can do to make God angry. You know why? The wrath of God was put on Jesus. The cup that Jesus drank was the cup of God's wrath for sin. It was all put on the cross. And when Jesus looks at you, you know what he sees? He sees the cross. He doesn't see your sin, he sees the cross. And it's us, it's us, we separate ourselves from the cross. We walk away from God because we think, oh, I've done this and I've done that and I've done this. And we get further and further away from God. It's us who remove ourselves from the grace of God. The grace never changes. Now, when you understand this, you stop trying to perform for God. When you understand this, you stop trying to be that good person so that God can favor you. When you begin to understand, no, you've got the favor. It's done. It's finished. It's there. It's ready for you to accept. That's why we do communion every single week to remind us to come back to the cross. Come back to the cross. Come back to this Jesus. I tell you something. When we begin to understand this, we begin to understand contentment. It's a correct understanding of the gospel. It's a correct understanding of God. It's a correct understanding of who he is as a person. 
and what He has for us. That He doesn't want you to just be trying and trying and trying. He wants you to have a relationship with Him. And through that relationship, He begins to change you and He begins to transform you. And yes, yes, there are moments where you have to make a choice to, to turn away from things that are, that are destructive to you and all of that sort of stuff. It's not like we just sort of so automatically become these people that, 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 that are better. No, no, no. It's hard. It's hard work. God begins to stretch you. He begins to put you through the mill. He begins to put you through circumstances and situations to, to bring out the worst in you so He he can scoop it off so he, the gold can come up. That's how he works, right? He wants to change you. He wants to see you a better person. But a correct understanding about God is really important. So this is what Paul is saying. He didn't just say godliness. He's a correct understanding about God. Leads to contentment. It leads to contentment. Contentment is not a passive acceptance of the status quo, but the positive assurance that God has supplied one's needs and the consequent, a consequent release from, the unnecessary, from unnecessary desire. Can I read that to you again? It's not a passive acceptance, Ryan, acceptance. It's not a passive acceptance of the status quo, but the positive assurance that God has supplied one's needs and the consequent release from unnecessary desires. There's a place that you can come to in God where no matter your circumstance, no matter what, you know you're going to be okay in Him. You know it's all good. And Paul goes on in here, like with, while you keep that in mind, he says in verse 7, so he says, For we bought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Now, I just need to stop there for a moment. This word clothing, also, he didn't use the word clothing, he, he used the word covering. So you can use this for shelter as well. Okay? So who knows that if you've got food, and you've got clothes and shelter, you come to a place where you're like, okay, I, at least I've got this, Right? Now, this is just an important little side note, because sometimes it's kind of preached about that, oh, you know, it's bad to have all of these things and you've got to remove... No, no. God knows that you need a house. God knows that you need clothes on your back. And God knows that you need food. And this is why we, in our situation, have a responsibility to the poor, because we need to help them because they don't have those things. And we know what that does to a human being. They become something that God never meant for them to be because of their desire, desire just for covering. They become more animalistic in their, in their approach to life. It's just about surviving. And we have a responsibility to those people. That's why we've got to give to the poor and be generous. Amen. Right? But, thanks for clapping, all five of you. <laughs> it was a good try. <laughs> We need to look out for the poor. We need to look out for these people. But let me tell you something. God knows that he, He's going to bring you to a place. You know, there's a scripture that says, I have never seen the righteous begging for bread. I've never seen the righteous begging for bed, bed, bread. In other words, God's going to bring you to a place where you have what you need. You might not have what you want. And who knows, that is a tough tension between what you need and what you want. 
this whole move of Rachel and I moving to India and doing what we've done to build this church has been this journey of me just every day dealing with my wants. I want, I want, I want, I want, I want this, I want that, I want this. God, oh God, I want this, I want that, I want this. And God's like, no, no, I'm, I'm going to give you what you need for the time that you're in and the season. I'm going to give you what you need. And the only thing that keeps me from running away is coming back to this. A correct understanding of God. It leads to a place where I begin to relax. I begin to say, settle and I begin to stop all of my things, because a lot of what I want, I want because it will actually get me out of the situation I'm in. A lot of the, the things I want, I think about and I dream about because I'm escaping from my current situation. But <laughs> you've got to understand something. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying there's these people, they've got this desire They think that following God will lead them to great wealth. But what following God does is it leads you to contentment. But you've got to understand what he's saying, what the subtext of what he's saying is here, is this. One who chases wealth may get wealth, but never be content. One who chases God may get wealth, but will be content. You understand? I'll say it again. One who chases wealth may get wealth, but never be content. One who chases God may get wealth, but will be content. And let me tell you, there's a huge difference. And it's all about what your eye is on. It's all about who you see. It's all about who, is, who, who your master is. It's all about what you are chasing. And it's not, like I said, contentment. It's not a passive acceptance of the status quo. You know, there's, there's, there's other scriptures that talk about this. Um, uh, I think Romans, cha- uh, excuse me, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 29. It says this, it says, Do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. Let me tell you what this scripture is about. Being excellent at what you do. You want, listen, and we, we need to be, we need to, we need to take this in. Be really good at what you do. It will be automatically, before you know it, you'll be standing in front of the CEO because you're so good at what you do. You'll be standing in front of the boss and they'll be going, what are you doing? How are you doing it? We want to know. We want you to teach the other 300 people in this organization about how to do it because, because you become good at it. Now, this is the Bible, Okay. This is the Bible. So, so the Bible is not against you becoming wealthy and standing before, because when you stand before kings and kings start to get you to do work, what usually happens is money starts to flow, right? I mean, let's be real. That's what happens. You stand in front of the right people, the kings of this world, and, you, and they start to see your skill and what you can do. There is going to be money that will flow. But if you aren't understanding that contentment comes from God and not from the money that starts flowing, you're in trouble. That's what Paul is warning about. Contentment only comes from God. The Bible isn't against you making money, being good at what you do. No way, no way, no way, it's not. What the Bible is warning us of is this carrot that the enemy puts in front of you 
They're saying that money is going to make you feel content. If you can just get here, you're going to feel content. If you can just get this. But we get to these places every time and we just want more. We just want more. And this is what Paul is talking about. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. See, Paul traveled the world because of the immense travels that he did. He came to a place where he could be content in jail. He could be content. He came to this place in God and this trust in Him where he was writing these letters that we're reading out of prison content, knowing that God was his provider. No matter what his circumstance, no matter what situation he was in, God had him. Mm. Verse 9, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. This, this trap that Paul is talking about, this original word, was a picture, a, a little, it's a, like a mechanical trap that could trap small birds. So when we see those who, are, who have, listen to the language here, those who want to get rich fall into a temptation and trap. If your desire is to get rich, if that's your principal operation, if that's why you're going to work, if that's why, if your desire is just to get rich, there's a trap waiting. It's a trap. It's going to get you. That's what Paul's saying. And the traps are many. The traps, the jealousy that comes when your best friend gets promoted in front of you and you're jealous and you begin to become (laughs) (laughs) passive-aggressive. And you begin to find ways to pull them down in front of the CEO. The traps. The traps. The jealousy. The covetousness. The anger. These little traps. The sleepless nights. Where you're wondering, how come they don't see me? How come? The traps, the traps. Not saying any of you are wrong for finding yourselves in these situations because listen to me, I don't preach as one who is Mr. Holy up here. I struggle with every one of these. This just looks a bit different for me. The thing with pastors sometimes is they can cover it in all the holiness and the the pastoring stuff and the church and all of that sort of stuff. Let me tell you something. Can I tell you a secret? It's just the same for me as it is for you. My success just is measured by a different kind of sort of quadrant, I suppose. A success for me is a big church, you know. Success for me is a, is a church that's, that's, you know, kind of doing all sorts of things across the community and I can say, look at my church and what, you know. That's, that's what, that's success. We, we struggle with all of the same things, guys. So when I say these traps, I know these traps are there for me as well. They're there for me as well. They're there for us all. And when money, and it's so sneaky, just becomes our center, becomes the thing that we're chasing when chasing. There's a trap. And we may not even see it, but we fall into it. That's what Paul's warning against. Nothing wrong, guys. Standing before a king and executing his will and getting paid for it. 
and getting paid well. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But who knows that there's way more than the bill giving to the king. There's way more to do with the contract. There's way more to do with your work than just that. There's way more. And we just see the money. I'm telling you, we're going to fall into a trap. I used to run a business. What time is it? I used to run a business. I, I know this. I, when, in my little business, I used to, when I first started, I thought it was all about the money until I realized, oh my gosh, there's a long way to tread before I get that bill. I've got to do this, and I've got to do that, and I've got to satisfy this person, satisfy that person. And so often we see this in business, and I think this happens all over the world, in, and sadly in developing nations where it just becomes about the money and everybody else can just go to hell, right? No, no, there's way more to it. There's way more to it. It's a trap that people fall into. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money. Everybody say, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. What's the root of all evil? It's the love of money. What do you love? You know what you love? It's what you give your life up for. That's what you love. That's, that's the metric of the Bible. Jesus said, greater love has no man than to give up his life for his friends. He, he, set, the, he set the standard of love. Okay. He's like, this is the standard. Bullets coming, you stand in front of the bullet for that person. Die in their place. That's the standard of love. You want to know what you love? What are you giving your life up for? And that's, that's, that's for all of us, even for me. That's a harsh and kind of chilling reminder that I need to make sure the main thing actually is the main thing. Uh, there's one person that I need to give up my life for, and that is Jesus. And if money is, the pursuit of money has become my goal, and not Jesus, I'm in trouble. I'm going to fall into traps. And it's the carrot the enemy wants to do and put in front of me to steal my future, to steal what God has for me, to steal my purpose. He wants me chasing something that's so lucrative, so elusive, so good-looking that I can just go after that and forget about everybody else. It's a carrot. It's a carrot. But you, man of God... Look at the person next to you and say, woman of God if it's a woman, okay? Or man of God if it's a man, okay? Man of God, woman of God. But you, man of God, woman of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness. Godliness, there's that word again, correct understanding about God. Faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in His own time. God, the blessed, only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who, has, who lives in inapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to Him be honor and might 
forever. Amen. And then he says in verse 17, don't worry, rich people, okay? You got it coming too. It's not just about those who are pursuing riches, okay? It says, command those who are rich. Now, wow, this is strong words. We get a bit nervous when this word command comes into the Bible. Is anybody with me on that? I'm like, command, that's a bit strong, command. Why does, why does, why does God, like, He talks in these kind of, you know, it's, just, it's almost like military, it's military, Gorov, it's military, these are mili- this is military. No, no, this is a little family here, and we're just, we're all friends, and nobody really tells one, each other what to do, we just, we just accept one another, right? It's like this community, we accept one another, and it's all good, and we're just a little family, and uh, don't tell me what to do, though, because I'm okay, you know, just leave me alone, I don't want to be told what to do, you don't tell me, no, and, and then there's words like this in the Bible, command, it's like, whoa, that's a bit strong. And it's not just like anybody, it's to command the rich people. It's like, oh, we, we, this culture comes on into the church and we get these rich people in the church and we're like, oh, you know. But the Bible's quite strong about this because before God, you've got to understand something. We are all equal. doesn't matter who you are. We're all going to stand before Him and we are going to have to give Him an account. No matter, and it's like the accountant's got nothing to do with why, how many zeros are in your FD, right? Got nothing to do with that. Oh God, I'm very rich, you know that? It's like, no, you look pretty poor to me because you're about to go to hell. I don't even know you. (laughs) Do you know who I am? No, I don't know who you are. That's what Jesus will say to those who don't know Him yet. Doesn't matter about it. We're all equal before the Lord. So, So these kind of words come in pretty strongly. Command, 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 command. Like, and, and this is the thing about the Bible. We submit to the Bible. It is the authority. Okay? And this is a choice we have to make when we follow Jesus, whether or not we are going to submit. And at times, He, talk to, he talks to us like He is King, because He is. <laughs> he talks to us like He is King. It's like, okay, here's a command for you. What is He command? He commands those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, I know a lot of people, rich people, who are more humble than anyone I know. So don't associate riches with arrogance, please. Let's not make that mistake. Just because someone is wealthy doesn't mean they're arrogant. Oftentimes, we treat people who have a lot of money, who have means. There's a problem with us sometimes. Is we, oh, they're rich, they must be... It's like, no, no, no. Sometimes they're really, really, really great people. It's all good, Okay. But if there is arrogance there because of their wealth, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant and not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. What's the command to the rich people? Don't be arrogant. Don't put your hope in wealth. It's the same. It's the same. It's the same as the person who's trying to get rich. It's just said in a different way. Right? It's like that one who is pursuing wealth if he's made wealthy center, he's going to fall into a trap. The wealthy one, well, if they're rich, they need to understand not to put their hope in that because it's uncertain. They really never know what's going to happen, right? And we live in a world where we've seen the uncertainties of people and building gigantic companies, gigantic companies that you would never think would fall down, fall down. Uncertain, guys uncertain. And when you haven't understood that contentment only comes from God and there's this, this continual need to get more and more and more and it's never enough and, and the whole drive is just to, to succeed, 
It's not from a place of you'll never be content no matter how much you've got. That's the problem, right? So there's a command. Command those who are rich not to be arrogant and put their hope in wealth. And then he goes on. But put, put their hope in God, once, once again, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Isn't that cool? Where does, that, where does the money come from? Me, oh, I built, I'm a self-made man. No, no, no. God gave you the talent. God gave you the opportunity. God gave you that person that you got to meet. God gave you that. God opened the door. It all belongs to Him. He's given it to you for your enjoyment. So enjoy it. Don't, don't, don't put up this false humility. Oh, you know, you know, don't do that. Just enjoy it. It's all good. Okay? You can be released. Command them, them, again, there's that word, to do good, to be rich in good deeds, okay? And to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves and as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Did you hear that? Maybe this is for some of you here. Because we have a mixed group in this room. We have all sorts of people. Here's the command for those of you who this is relevant to. Command them to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. Here's the difference between a person who is pursuing wealth and a person who is wealthy. The difference is responsibility. That's all. With God, it just becomes a responsibility. Once you come into a place where you are wealthy, there is power there, there is influence there, there is, a, there is actually something there that there is a responsibility that you come into. If God has provided you with it, cool, enjoy it. But remember, it's a responsibility. Be generous. Be willing to share. And I'm not saying this in any shape or means to, to suggest that, that the church be the place. Because it ain't about the church, it's about your heart. It's about your heart. And so often we've seen the wealth of this world, it turns person into a, no, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine. Because it's, it's the source of contentment. It's the source. And it's so elusive, it slips. So we become insecure. We become these people that grip onto things because we're just fearful. Money will never deliver you of fear. It cannot. It's not meant to. Money is just something that we use to spread the love of Jesus. Amen. C3 Mumbai is a church in the heart of India's commercial capital where a diverse group of people brought together to worship God and to pass on the hope of salvation by grace that we freely received. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram or tweet us on our handle at C3 Mumbai. Hey, it's Ryan here. If you enjoyed this message and you live in Mumbai, we would love to meet you in person. Why don't you come along 11.30 a.m. Studio 10 at Famous Studios in Mahalakshmi.